the Incremental to Exponential podcast. Hello and welcome to this podcast series from Capita, where we explore how big companies can innovate to survive and grow. I'm Justine Green and each time we'll be meeting a special business guest to hear their story and opinion on our theme. Also, we're joined by Vivek Wadra and Ishmael Amla, authors of the new book From Incremental to Exponential, How Large Companies Can See the Future and Rethink Innovation. Vivek is a technology entrepreneur and academic based in Silicon Valley. Hi, Vivek. Hi there. And Ishmael is Capita's Chief Growth Officer. Hello, Ishmael. Hey, Justine. And our esteemed guest this time is Linda Gratton. Linda is Professor of Management Practice at the London Business School and a leading expert on the future of work. Hello, Linda, and welcome. Hi, Justine. Now, Linda, it's been such a huge period of transformation for so many of us recently. From a personal perspective, how has the world changed for you? Oh, well, I mean, it's changed completely. I was just saying to Ishmael that he and I saw each other in New York just before lockdown. I came back to London and that was lockdown. On that day, the the following day, the 14th of March, I started a diary, the pandemic diary. I'm now on volume seven. So this has been a long journey. And for me, you know, I've written pretty extensively about the future of work. And so it's been extraordinary seeing some of those trends accelerating and really understanding what would the future of work look like? Well, some things certainly may not go back to how they were before. So, Linda, looking at how we all adapt to new ways of working, what do you think an office will be used for? I think it's too early to really know. We feel that people will never want to go back to offices. But actually, speaking as a psychologist, I know that habits and attitudes change pretty quickly. And I think that what we have to realise is that working from home is great for some jobs. My job, I I write, I'm focused, I love being at home. But for jobs that really require you to cooperate, where serendipity is really important, where it's important that you just bump into people, then the office is wonderful. But of course, Justine, it's not an office which is full of cubicles. It's an office which is allows cooperation, brainstorming, people moving around, bringing the outside in. So I think the office is there to stay, but perhaps not as we know it. It also depends what kind of person you are, I guess, as to whether working from home or the office is better for you. Well, actually, I think... Uh, that we have to think about the job or even more than the person. There's some jobs where being in an office is really important. But there are, of course, personality uh, traits as well there. So um, if you're more gregarious, you probably like being in the office more. But I think really it's the job that we should be listening to, perhaps more than the person. Vivek and Ishmael, do you think innovation will still forge ahead without such a reliance on spending a lot of time together in an office? I think innovation will happen, but it uh, but there's something seriously missing over here. You know, um, last semester I taught my entire class uh, remotely. Uh, you know, it's the same way we're speaking right now, and there was no bond with the students. I mean, yes, they gave it. You know, the students were quite happy. They said they learned a lot, but the but uh, every semester I would get to know the students, and we would form personal bonds. And they'd come to me afterwards with the startup ideas and ask for advice and help, and they would also bond with each other. That's completely missing. You know, I encourage students to come up with ideas to change the world, to do startups. There was zero this time. 
versus five or six from each class that I've taught before. So it tells you something that uh, this doesn't work from an innovative perspective. Even though you may do the knowledge transfer, the team building, the camaraderie, the brainstorming, the challenging each other, the social aspect is completely missing. So I don't see us continuing this way. I see us, you know, doing a lot of uh, communication, uh, you know, the way we're doing it right now, but but really not doing innovation the way we did before. I think there's going to be a different way of working, but I still think we get to innovation. And the reason I think that is if you think about what all the ingredients of innovation. So in the book, we talk about a 3M giving their people 15% of their time to innovate or a Google uh, giving them 25% of the time to innovate. That sort of thing still exists. Leadership, empowerment, data, all of those things will exist. But this idea that Linda and Vivek talk about around uh, these sort of micro interactions that occur in the workplace, of course, won't exist. But I wonder whether technology will help with that as well. I think there's the idea of we go into the office to collaborate, but that doesn't seem right either, does it? I mean, how, how do you know when is the right time to go into the office? But I, was, I, was, I think there's some technologies that are going to be quite interesting. There's this um, next generation Zoom, if you like, which is more like, you know, you're sitting next to a cubicle to somebody else. Um, I think Argo Design is a, is a company who are looking at that. I think that sort of thing will be helpful. Uh, and then people doing things differently. So some people are forcing, you know, they've got, I mean, we, I've, I was talking to somebody, I don't know, Linda, you, you've talked to loads in your work, for World Economic Forum discussions, but I was talking to somebody who was saying that they're asking their leaders to call five people a week with no agenda just to have a chat and see whether you can replicate the water cooler environment. I, I'm actually running a programme at the moment that's completely virtual. And I feel that we are bonding, actually, but it's a different sort of bonding. And what I miss is, you know, walking out of the classroom and chatting to everybody. I think that's what's really missing is the walking out and chatting. But I agree with Ishmael. I think that technology is really going to move into sort of hyperactivity now. You know, we are, as a human race, incredibly ingenious and certainly... The, the sort of work that I've been doing with my own group, where we've been joining up, you know, up, maybe up to 200,000 people to talk about issues over a couple of days. That's been pretty amazing. So I, I agree that technology is really going to step in here. You know, Linda, that's very really interesting because I'm the guy who's always hyping technology and talking about how amazing it's going to be. And here I am moaning and groaning that technology didn't lead to innovation. And, and I'm so unhappy with the way my last class went that I don't feel like teaching anymore. <laughs> well, I think actually, Vivek, I think your intuition is very, very strong. If, you know, we, we've got so few data points really during COVID. But if you say normally after a class, there are six innovations and now there are none, that's a very, very important data point. So in a nutshell, Linda, how do you best see us fostering a culture of innovation in the new world? Well, I think it's a combination, really. And I think Ishmael referred to that. A part of it is giving people time to focus. You know, one of the big challenges at the moment is that people are bombarded with email. They're bombarded with, um, you know, social media and so on. I think, firstly, giving people a sense of focus so that they can really think through issues and work them through. Secondly, building great coordination mechanisms. And they can be asynchronous. You know, you don't need to be in the same room at the same time to have asynchronous conversations but also to realize the enormous value uh, of face-to-face and, and actually make sure that every face-to-face interaction is as creative and as energizing as possible 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, but like I said, I still feel sort of left out. And, and I'm surprised to be in the position right now of being the outlier here with the hyping technology. <laughs> yeah, Vivek uh, is, uh, is a Luddite in this conversation. Vivek, I'll, I'll talk to you about connectivity tech. I think actually, Linda, you should talk a little bit about these mass crowdsourcing events you have, right? Because I think that is great example of crowdsourcing in this new virtual world with tens of thousands of people, right? Yeah. We've been working with Ericsson for a couple of years now and they are regularly putting together up to 200,000 people on one of our platforms. And it's a moderated conversation. So I think for me, the big insight is it's not just a free-for-all because that's impossible with that sort of a number, but it's a curated conversation with lots of moderators who are coming in and connecting people saying, look, do you realize that somebody else has said that? Moving the ideas forward. Um, and so th this has been incredibly exciting. So uh, that's why I'm... I'm very, very excited about the use of technology, particularly in coordinating. But I agree with Vivek that actually you also have to spend time with each other. You know, humans, it's what it is to be a human, really. And I don't think, you know, when people are saying, do you think everyone's going to work from home? I don't think we will. You know, even the very early, the only study really that's been done on homeworking, the Chinese study of, of Chinese homeworkers, At the end of it, 50% said, I want to come back to the office. I, I don't want to be at home all the time. And so I think there will be, I think we will see people in the office, but there'll be creative spaces. They won't be the old fashioned office. Okay, well, thanks for the moment. And we'll talk about productivity and skills next. Many people have found themselves working much longer hours from home than when they commuted to the office each day. Let's get your thoughts as to whether the pendulum of productivity is now slowing because of tiredness. Linda? I think it's too early to say, but, but certainly that's right. In fact, I was talking to one of the major um, accounting firms and he said that they have very clear data that it's two hours a day. Now, what I think is generally happening, but perhaps not at this particular accounting firm, is that one hour of that is given to work and one hour is given to the family and to keeping fit and so on. So I think it's hard to know about productivity and knowledge workers. But certainly for people like me who need focused time, working from home is a massive benefit. Uh, so I think if you can work from home, as I do, in an office which is uh, doesn't have children in it, Uh, has a pretty good layout where I'm basically writing and thinking home is great and my productivity has certainly gone up but I think for others it's gone down I don't know what the others feel about that you know from my perspective um, I talked about how I haven't been satisfied with my uh, teaching at CMU but uh, on the other hand I also talk to CEOs all the time I'm also you know consulting advising and I've been more productive on that front than ever before because everyone is home now everyone is accessible there are no gatekeepers to executives they're willing to listen you're able to now socialize with them like never before so some productivity has gone up other has gone down yeah I, th I think there is a danger of rather than this being work from home it becomes living at work And, and I think that it needs some discipline and not everybody in our workforces have the permission to feel they have that discipline. And then the other thing that I'm worried about uh, is this idea that I was reading around how the, one of the biggest issues is this social isolation will result in loneliness. And loneliness, you know, because 
for a lot of people, working from home means being on your own. And you talked about it earlier, Linda. And I think that sort of thing is going to be a challenge that's going to require a sort of proactive interventions to make sure that people are not inadvertently disadvantaged just because of our new future work style requires people to work in a way that actually doesn't suit their lifestyle. Ishmael, will we burn out at this rate? Well, I think we will, actually. I think some people will and they will feel uh, they're part of the workforce who feel they can't control the time that they work or where they work from. They don't have the opportunity to go into these collaborative work areas that Linda and Vivek have been talking about, which will have been you know, designated for the, uh, for the people who are going to come up with new innovative ideas. Uh, so I think there is a risk. I think, of course, there's lots of opportunities for us to intervene. Uh, one of them being considering this idea that everybody is an innovator and everybody can come up with a new idea and therefore everybody should have the option of being able to go into an office. But it's going to need proactive policy to, I think, uh, de-risk that area. And let's ask all three of you, what will the skills of the future be? What will we need to learn to contribute to organisational change? I would say co-creation. I mean, I'm totally with Ishmael here. I think that, and, and that was the Ericsson. Uh, at Ericsson, we, everybody came into that. At Brit Insurance, we trained 10% of the workforce to think about the future of work. And that was from receptionist up to CEO. We, it was a random selection. So I, I totally agree that everybody can innovate and that one of the core disciplines, therefore, is how do you build co-creation processes? Yeah, I completely agree with Linda, but what I would add is that uh, the single most important realization we have to have now is that change is a constant, that there's going to be more innovation, more technology, more disruption because of advancing technologies than we've ever seen before. And that we have to keep learning, that we can't you know, rest on our laurels and assume just because we had some skills in the past that got us to where we are, those will take us into the future. They won't. We have to keep now staying abreast of technology and expecting that change will happen. So I think tech awareness, I think keep learning, but also ability to unlearn, uh, which I have a personal uh, issue with, I'm trying to go through. And then resilience. I think resilience is going to be a I don't know how you categorize that, Linda, but I think it's it's something that we're going to have to learn to deal with because, uh, as Vivek always talks about, you know, this shock that we've gone through in the pandemic is going to be sort of what we're going to have to go through multiple times with different sort of things affecting us. Linda, do you want to come back on that? I totally agree. And I think that um, COVID has been a stress test of individuals, of families, of communities, of corporations. And those that went in resilient, and by resilient, I mean, you know, who were healthy, uh, who uh, had some sort of savings, who had strong community networks, who had strong family networks, who had a capacity to learn, um, they have fared better. And it's, it's been very sad to see that, you know, how tough COVID has been for, for individuals, for families and communities. And, and I agree entirely with Ishmael that, the next big issue that we face will be climate change and that will require us to work collectively to change our habits and behavior just as covid has and if we can go into that in a resilient purposeful way we've got a much better chance of of dealing with that really huge challenge that we're facing ishmael where will the jobs of the future come from 
Uh, I, I think a lot has been said about jobs in the future and especially how jobs are going to be disrupted. I am of the view that the future is fantastic for new jobs and how new sort of skills will be needed. If you look at where the new skills will be needed or the new job families, um, of course, a lot around, around technology, a lot around engineering. If you think about autonomous transports, IoT, 3D printing, and then a lot, lot around the use of data in finance and business. Uh, so I think there's some big job family areas that will contribute to new jobs. Of course, the jobs to do is administration, office management, uh, even manufacturing might be some that are challenged, or certainly there'll be fewer jobs, although they may be very different in nature. Linda, how do you think people get ready for this change that we've been talking about? Well, I think that, you know, one of the things we've talked about today is the capacity to learn right the way through your life. And so the advice I would give to everyone now, both in terms of themselves and their children, or in in our case, uh, Vivek and I, uh, in terms of our students, I'd say, firstly, you know, imagine your other possible selves. Don't always think that you've just got to take one path. I mean, when you have a long life, as many of us hope to have, there's many possibilities. I think the second thing is invest in learning right the way through your life. And, And that's going to be so important for the future. But I think also in terms of navigation, try to work through what the jobs of the future are going to be. Because the last thing you want to do is to find yourself, you know, really spending effort learning a new skill when in fact the job is going to be automated. And I would add, I totally agree actually with Ishmael's point about data and technology and so on. I would also add to that the human skills of, you know, be understanding each other, um, really uh, empathising with each other, listening to each other. At the moment, chatbots aren't able to do that. And this is a, a very special human skill. The innovation, it would be interesting to see whether you feel that that AI can innovate. But at, at the moment, I, I think that humans are really great, can be great at, at imagining the future. Remember that AI simply extrapolates from the past. Well, as you know, we have leaders appearing on this podcast and listening to the series. They're coming under the spotlight like never before. So how should leaders be judged as things evolve so quickly? Vivek? What they have to realise is that um, it's going to take a group effort, that they can't have R&D departments that are staying abreast of technology and that suddenly come up with some magical solution for the company. It's going to be all hands on board. Everyone in the company has a role in innovation. Everyone has to do, uh, you know, it's like being on a ship which is being attacked from all sides. You have to have every person watching out for, for, you know, from different angles, from different sides. And now, you know, working together as a team to fight off the enemy. And the enemy is some technology or some disruption that's going to wipe the company out. So everyone has a role in innovation. And Linda and Ishmael, your opinions on how we view our leaders? Well, I would say... You know, purpose, narrative has always been important. It always will be important. It's been very interesting watching as companies have gone into the pandemic and watching how their leaders have performed. And for me, the ones that have been uh, the strongest have been able to talk about the future in a way that's positive, that engages people, that gives people a sense of where do I fit into this and where might I develop. So I I think purposeful leading remains as important as, as it's ever been. I think great leaders who are focused on innovation are also integrating it into their strategic management agenda. It's an everyday thing that they do. 
I think they're creating the network for uh, co-creation and collaboration. They are actively creating those networks and they're paying attention to culture because culture will result in people doing the right things to be able to create great outcomes. And finally, Linda, what shape should the conversation that leaders have about the future of work take? Well, I think they should be aware that there are, you know, extraordinary trends shaping the future. Um, Technology is one of them, but demography is another. You know, the fact that we're all living longer, many of us are living longer, and society is aging at an extraordinary rate. And also fundamental social trends. Um, Most families now have have both parents working completely different from what would have been. So I think keeping an eye on those trends is going to be really important as leaders think about the future. Linda, it's been great having you with us. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. And that's it for this edition. But do subscribe to our series wherever you get your podcasts so you won't miss an episode. We'll be back with another special business guest soon. In the meantime, from me, Justine Green, Vivek, Ishmael and Linda, it's goodbye. The Incremental to Exponential podcast, back soon.